0: Warwick Half Marathon. Don't panic. Don't panic. I'm about six miles into the race and my breathing is too fast. I'm not tired, my legs are fine, but my breathing is too shallow, too rapid. This isn't good. Right, concentrate on anything else. Count how many red shirts you can see in front of you, how many eights you can see in race numbers. Anything to take your mind off your too rapid breathing. If I had to stop because I can't catch my breath, would anyone help me? Would they tell a marshal? Or would I sit here, in this country lane, on my own? Don't think about that. Don't stop. Count something. Think of something else. The panic subsides, calmed by the metronomic sound of my feet on the road. Where did that come from? Is it worry about pace? About this being the run I'm basing my marathon time goal on? Wearing my new club vest for the first time? not wanting to let anyone down. Worrying that these first five miles aren't feeling comfortable at all, and remembering my last half marathon and how bloody tough that had been. Parking well for less. Information on race day parking hadn't been very clear, although it had suggested side streets. Not wishing to come back and find my car had been egged by an annoyed Warwick resident, i parked at the local Sainsbury's, relying on the Sunday opening hours and hoping their traffic warden had decided on a nice weekend lie-in today. (coughs) It was a bit cheeky, but they seemed to be all about the sports relief at the moment, so couldn't complain too hard about a cheeky runner using the car park while the store was closed. Plus, it was free parking. I wholeheartedly agreed with living well for less. Well, parking for less, anyway. With my race number pinned to my vest, and my coffee money, clutched firmly in one sweaty little hand, I decided it was time to go in search of caffeine and portulac. Although, for s- sake of keeping delicate areas and scalding liquids separate, preferably not at the same time. Heading for the great big stands at the racecourse, I was stopped by a helpful marshal who asked me whether I was running today. I looked down at myself, at my nice bright race number, and my running kit. Just to check I'd remembered to put them on. I looked at the marshal, looked at the hordes of runners around me. No, I'm wearing Lycra to blend in, was what I should have said. Instead I smiled, confirmed I was a runner, and followed her directions to the racetrack, the start and the coffee vans. The Unbreakable Race Laws Coffee before a race is the first unbreakable law, as is the second, the Porterloo visit. I'd have liked to have had the option to have a coffee first. But as my tummy rumbled, my walk towards the race village became quicker and quicker. What started as an amble became a bit of a sprint. i take my race warm-ups where the opportunities present themselves. And not having stained running shorts is a definite incentive to get a bit of speed work out of the way. Third, unbreakable race law. There shout always be a queue at the Portaloos. And some woman who is blatantly not running the race in the queue in front of you. Mutter, grumble. I decided there needed to be a separate Portaloo in the middle of the field, away from runner Portaloos and away from runners worrying about the two poo rule. People not racing had to go to that Portaloo. It would be in their best interests, as it would probably smell a bit less fragrant, as there wouldn't be any nervous runners using it first. It would keep them out of my way and stopped them being in the queue in front of me and subject to my dark stares and muttering. me settle. Caffeine procured. I went to look for the baggage storage, but found the queue first. Oh, massive. Never mind, I'm only parked a mile away. Running to the car counts as warming up, right? It sounded like such a good plan, but trying to run while holding a massive kit bag, which kept swinging around and wrapping around my legs, wasn't a good idea. Also, people were running the other way to the start. Not good. I got to the car, threw the bag in, had a quick traffic warden count, none, and ran back to the race course. The loudspeakers were blaring and people were starting to line up behind the inflatable start arch. Cut that a bit finer than I'd meant to. At least my frenzied dash counted as a warm-up. Well, a sprint up. However, it seemed very quiet in this pen. There were about 30 of us and that was it. Turned to the bloke next to me. Where's everyone else he gestured back at a pen where everyone else was penned up like cattle a wall of human flesh this is the sub 130 pen he said ah whoops I looked at the cage of people there was no space for anyone to squeeze in there I looked at the chap we shrugged and made a silent pact to sit at the back of the 130 pen I was in black green and gold today wearing my Northbrook AC club vest for the very first time in a race I was hoping they were my lucky colours As I waited in the pen, I spotted another unmistakable vest with a green and black and gold sunburst. I wandered over to introduce introduce myself to Andrew. We wished each other luck and continued pacing the pen. I had decided on my pacing beforehand and knew exactly what time I should be running each mile. It keeps things easier in my mind this way and it breaks the race into bite-sized, or should that be footstep-sized, chunks. However, despite this, It felt as though the entire race pack had streamed past me by mile three. I was trying to keep my pace consistent, and if I kept to my target speed, then I should be re-overtaking them before the end, but it's always a bit worrying. Is my Garmin showing the wrong pace? Have my legs forgotten how to run? Surely I should be in front of that 22 stone man dressed as a chicken. Maybe Warwick just has some excellent and unlikely looking runners. Or they've shipped some elites in to confuse me and mess up my pacing. Unlikely. Just focus, Sarah. But what if they know something that I don't? Like, there's a narrow section coming up and they're all getting ready. I'm going to get stuck at the back of the pack with the old lady wearing trainers and a tutu. And the double act that decided doing a half marathon in the cow costume was the height of entertainment. Shut up, brain. Find a good friend with a shouty voice. As I ran the first section, I focused on how nice it was to run with so many other people. We might have been focusing on our own races, our own runs, and not chatting, but it was nice to run shoulder to shoulder with them. We ran apart the section we'd covered in the 12 miles of Christmas, and then we were onto a street I recognised from my walks to the pool with Loza, and then there was the lady herself, waving and cheering. So lovely to see a friend, especially one with a loud shouty voice who was cheering me on. I ran shoulder to shoulder with Northbrook Andrew for the next few miles. I'd see the sunburst vest at the corner of my eye, lose him on the downhills and pick him up again on the uphills, like a very slow game of stalk your club mate. There were little knots of supporters all around the route and plenty of car drivers irate at having roads closed and being stuck for half an hour while the mass of humanity, dressed in lycra and with our numbers safety pinned on, passed them by. Serves you right, Mr Grumpy Driver, for being up so early without having a good reason, like going for a run. Chasing the Satsuma. We were spreading out into our pace groups and people became more familiar around me. There's always a part in a race where you unconsciously choose a run buddy. The point when they go from competitor to run buddy. Well, until the last half mile anyway. I ended up running with a man in an orange Hampton Magna Harriers top. I'd run a lovely long Sunday morning run with his club once, and had been impressed with his club group leader's knowledge of the area. It had been mainly on footpaths and trails and was a perfect Sunday morning run. He was also a good person for me to keep pace with as the vest was so bright I couldn't lose sight of it. He was moving in my peripheral vision like a person-shaped satsuma. He was pushing on the downhills and would fly off in front of me but I'd pick him up again on the uphills. I was trying to keep my pace as consistent and metronomic as possible but without tiring myself out on the uphills. Problem was it all felt like uphills. Kept telling myself, metronome, metronome, just keep it steady and even. Mountainous Warwickshire. I knew that this route was mainly uphill until mile eight, but it was a lot hillier than I'd expected. I'm sure Warwickshire hadn't been this mountainous last time I'd looked. I was expecting Sherpas and mountain goats any minute. A lot of the route was rural and most of it was in the lanes, but there were plenty of supporters. People who had given up their Sunday mornings They're lions and leisurely breakfasts and cups of coffee to cheer on these crazy runners. Thank you. It was very much appreciated. Even if I looked wild-eyed, sweaty and a little bit insane, I was appreciative on the inside, despite the gun. Coming up to the top of one of the hills, I passed a runner walking. He had a word with the marshal and had removed his T-shirt with his number on and was holding it, walking on. His head was down. I patted his shoulder and gave him a sympathetic smile as I passed. I haven't DNF'd yet, but I will one day. I'll hope for a smile then from a fellow runner. The hills seemed endless. I know this course had been described as undulating, which is a polite way of saying bloody hilly, but they seemed never-ending. My pace was all over the place, and it was difficult to find a steady rhythm. I was always having to readjust for the gradient. I checked my Garmin and was concerned to see I'd clocked a really slow mile. I had a moment of rising panic and looked for something to take my attention off the numbers. Bleeding nipples, not mine. Right, distractions, distractions, er, uh, red t-shirts! The race organisers had given away free red t-shirts to everyone running today and some of the more optimistic and probably less experienced runners were wearing them to run in today. Having experienced the one, two, three of horrors that running in cotton t-shirts can bring I can seriously recommend you don't run in these. In case you're not aware, the one-two-three of horrors goes like this. 1. Cotton doesn't lick away sh- sweat like synthetic fabrics, so you sweat and it stays there. 2. The t-shirt gets wet with sweat and then cold. 3. The t-shirt, now being wet, cold and heavy with sweat, starts to chafe as you run. And as it's a new t-shirt, you didn't know this, and can't take off mid-race or dash home early like in a training run. Plenty of chaps have waved goodbye to their man nipples, as optimistically they've donned a new cotton t-shirt for a race and have had then their underarms, nipples and necks sandpapered by an unforgiving fabric. Ouch. At least the shirts were bright red, so the bleeding couldn't be seen. Who likes their man nipples anyway? At least us girls have an extra layer between us and the shirts but it's still crazy to wear a new kit in a race without testing it first. Distracted by trying to catch up to people in red tops, I realised that mile eight had passed and the course gradient was mainly downhill now to the end. It's amazing what difference this can make to your outlook knowing that you're practically on the home straight, well, sort of, and you can roll most of the way to the finish line from here. My legs gained a new lease of life just as a lovely mile of almost all downhill running came. I don't know how long this downhill was going to last, so I didn't want to tie my legs out too much if I was about to hit a vertical wall of uphill. But I enjoyed it. The lanes here were lined with spectators too, and the cheering gave my feet Hermes wings, and I clocked one of my fastest miles in a half-marathon ever at 6 23-minute miles. Despite passing close to it at the start, I didn't see Warwick Castle at all, except at around the 10-mile point where a view over the hedges and fields towards Warwick showed towers rising into the sky, It looked quite close, and knowing that there were only three miles to go was a further turbo boost. I'd had a busy day before this race, and I'd been up until midnight putting together the perfect marathon playlist, which I decided to try all today. I'd combined what had seemed at midnight the perfect selection of songs to keep me running, keep me entertained, and fire me towards that PB that I wanted so much. However, as the sounds of motorhead blended, not particularly seamlessly, into aqua, which turned into ELO, it became clear while creating playlists at midnight is never a good idea. However, as the music jumped from genre to genre like some sort of manic ADHD flea, the uncertainty kept my mind off the panic and the running. Keep going. The faster you finish, the faster you can turn off this increasingly bizarre playlist. Ahead of me in the distance, I could see two girls. One was wearing a charity top and one much further away with a club vest on. OK, you two can be my next two distractions. Catch the girls. I tried to persuade my legs that I didn't have far to go. They weren't convinced, although I told them the quicker they ran, the sooner I could sit down. It seemed to work. I caught up to one of the girls and sprinted past to try and break the 30-yard rule. Apparently, once you get 30 yards in front of someone in a race, it breaks the mental contact they have with you as a competitor. "'Apparently it's the point they stop chasing you.' "'A slight uphill? Really? Not now? Not this close to the end?' I rounded the corner and was confronted by a straight road, rolling downhill. "'Perfect.' My Garmin was showing just over a third of a mile to go. I urged my legs onwards, overtaking the next girl, who chased for a while before dropping back. "'Come on, legs. Can't quit now. It's close. So close.' I could see the finish arch, bright red, the route lined with spectators. Push! One last push! Even then, going all out, there was one thought floating in my mind. It may be mile 13 of a half marathon. You can't breathe. Your legs are about to drop off. But it still doesn't hurt as much as one of Coach John's training sessions. With that ringing in my mind, I crossed the timing mats under the finish arch to receive a medal. And a new best time for a half marathon. Result. one thirty-three thirty. 11th woman out of 670.